Welcome to the Leah Andrews Show. I'm here with Dr. Zev Rosenberg, an incredible scholar in traditional Chinese medicine. He's also Chair Emeritus at Pacific College of Oriental Medicine here in San Diego. And he is a private practitioner as well. Welcome to our show. It's so nice to have you. Thank you. Um, Great to so, be here, <laughs> especially in my own office. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to start off by asking, because you also have, you're writing a book on the Nanjing, and that's kind of one of your, your special... Yeah. Um, studies that you do, um, you, there's a great quote in the Nanjing that the superior physician treats the, the diseases of society, is that correct? <laughs> what does that mean to you? Okay, some people might take it in a more political sense, but the way I take it is that, the, that there are issues in humanity in different cultures that have come down through history. If you do a historical study of medicine, which is fascinating, medical anthropology, mm -hmm. you see that different eras had different challenges to human life. Many of them were environmental, many of them were the result of war, disease, famine, poverty. Mm -hmm. Many of them were the result of uh, epidemics that swept through cultures, like the famous book by Jared Diamond, Guns, Diseases, I forgot the title, but it's, it's an incredible history of humankind from the perspective of how epidemics wiped out entire cultures mm -hmm. and how, how that advanced medicine and so forth. So having a broad view of the issues that are in a particular society. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people think that you know this interest in Chinese medicine is a bit of a throwback or sentimental, mm -hmm. but really the principles of it allow you to look at the society in which you live and the environment in which you live and respond to it in a very intelligent way mm -hmm. rather than in a very fixed, rigid way. Mm -hmm. And as you know, we have patients with some very unusual, perplexing issues coming in now, and there's a number of reasons for it. Mm -hmm. Some of them are the loss of the internal microflora in the gut and the digestive system, overuse of medications, the incredible emotional stress. And to me, one of the main factors is the incredible anti-intuitive living schedules that people have. <laughs> and as, a, as former students, we all know you have to be at school at your mm -hmm. desk at a certain time. Meanwhile, you're not even woken up yet. And they've done studies at you know, high schools that shows that the average teenager's cognitive functions don't really kick until 10 a.m., but they're in school at 8 a.m. The first two hours are wasted. Mm -hmm. And how that affects digestive bowel function, when to be active, when not to be active. Everything's counterintuitive. Most people's jobs work against nature. Mm -hmm. A woman's cycle, she should be more active at certain times of the month, less active other times of the month. All these things impact health. Mm -hmm. So, whereas the, Confuc the Confucianist philosophical leaders of Chinese culture 2,000 years ago taught people how to live a healthy life. Um, our society seems to impose a very non-healthy regimen mm -hmm. on people in the working uh, environment. Mm -hmm. So, and scholastic environment. Uh, yes. None worse than the medical profession where um, you're forced to work 36-hour shifts, be right. up all night, and they've been finding that the amount of medical accidents and mistakes as a result of that in studies is very high. I imagine. You know, and many doctors really get beaten up in medical school. Is that really the right message we want to give aspiring physicians and nurses that you have to sacrifice your health in order to take care of other people's health? Right. It's absurd. That's interesting. <laughs> I actually found one of the sources of that. Um, one of the 
greatest teachers of Western medicine in the 19th century was Sir William Osler, who actually had an interest in acupuncture very early on. He was one of the first Western doctors to be interested in it. And on one hand, he said that a student of medicine needs a broad liberal arts education, philosophy, the arts, read novels, have a really developed mind, mm -hmm. and also, of course, heart. But at the same time, he also said that physicians should sacrifice their health for their patients. So that's where that idea came from. Unfortunately, that idea survived. Right, so the idea <laughs> of, the, of the broad education mm -hmm. did not. And I think that is even impacting our profession mm -hmm. in Chinese medicine. Yes. Because medicine is culture. It's not just, it's not just science. Mm -hmm. It is an art and it's culture. Yes. You know, so that's the thing. That's true. So I think that's how I see that one little quote. And I've thought about it many times. And I've read the Nanjing 25 times already. Uh -huh. And as you know, I'm doing a seminar <laughs> yes, on it yes. starting next month. So yeah. I'm going to go through the whole book mm -hmm. again. With students, but uh, there was a, a great quote. Of, you don't mind me going on my phone here for a second. Off no, of your, um, it was off of your blog, which is also amazing. Um, well, thank you. It's going to be a full website soon. Oh, ZebRosenberg.com. I have someone working on it. Now. Oh, wonderful. Um, this was actually a note that was sent to you by Sabina Wilms, who is a, a wonderful yeah. translator of, of Chinese medicine texts. Um, and it says here that uh, from it was from Sun Simiao's um, chapter. Beautifully pronounced. <laughs> um, it's a, it says, the reason why the methods in the classics are so difficult to grasp in their essence is that they come from such a lofty origin. Only those who apply their heart with sublime subtlety can even begin to talk about this. In all cases, when you treat disease as an eminent physician, you must quiet your shen, fix your yi intention, you must be free of wants and desires, and you must first develop a heart full of great compassion and empathy. You must pledge your desire to rescue all sentient beings indiscriminately from their suffering. Beautiful. Yeah. So going back to this, how do we, in our culture, practice that way? Well, Chinese medicine is a lot about self-cultivation. Mm -hmm. Not for just ourselves, but the people we work with. And again, we're not trying to force a lifestyle or religion or anything on people. But we do have to let them know, if they're self-perpetuating their condition, mm -hmm. that it can be helped. You know, instead of over-medicating people for things like anxiety, work through the knots that are causing the anxiety and how people can open up to it. Yeah. And that's just one example of many. But the physician definitely has to have self-cultivation because mm -hmm. we have to have sensitivity because we're not relying on instruments like EKGs and mm -hmm. blood tests. We're relying on what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we palpate. All that is where we get it. We are our senses, our minds, our vision is where we get our diagnostic information. Mm -hmm. That's the hallmark. That's what differentiates natural medicine from modern biomedicine or technological medicine. Mm -hmm. Not that it's good or bad, but the technological medicine is so ubiquitous in our society that it's almost been forgotten even in our own profession. A lot of people in our field don't believe in what they're doing because they're trying to compete with the technological medicine rather than take the medicine that we have with its benefits and its limitations and mm -hmm. use it as it is, right. you know? So. so how do you see, because I know that we've talked before about there's this push um, that I have felt professionally, and I'm sure you have felt as well, to become more integrated into Western medicine. And what do you think is the compromise? That, or is there a compromise? Or? I, don't, I don't think there is any reason for compromise. What got us here in the map were our patients mm -hmm. and for demand within the society. You know, going back 
know, 40 years of my interest in this. I started in my teens getting interested in so-called alternative medicine from the East. Um, it was a desire of people to live more naturally and to have more natural cures, mm -hmm. right? And even in terms of Western medicine, I mean, when I was a little kid, the doctor made house calls and he, my, the physician who I grew up with, I saw him all the way up to my teens, you went to his home clinic, mm -hmm. like, I, like my home clinic, you know? He lived upstairs and downstairs was his office. You know, it was, a, it was much more decentralized than it is now. Some of it is, again, as we're speaking about the diseases of society, one of the diseases of our society is this over-corporatation of everything. You know, everything becomes big, 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 right? So I think one of the things that draws people to Chinese and other alternative forms of medicine, and I do emphasize medicine, because I think people confuse techniques with medicine, right? Like even acupuncture, it's a beautiful technique, but it's part of Chinese medicine mm -hmm. and has the theoretical foundations of the medicine under it, just like the herbal medicine, just like the qigong, just like many of the other aspects, dietetics. Mm -hmm. That's Chinese medicine. Yeah. It's a system based on a philosophy that's 2,000 years old. The other medicines in that class are things like Ayurveda and Tibetan medicine and the various Asian variants of it, or Greco-Arabic medicine, which mm -hmm. preceded Western medicine. They were complete medical systems. They weren't just one technique. Mm -hmm. So if we look at acupuncture, I never liked the licensure of licensed acupuncturists mm -hmm. because we do a lot more than that. Yes. That's number one. And that's not to say if someone specializes in acupuncture, if you get deep into the classical practice, you can do incredible things, treat internal diseases. And the, the Neijing is an incredibly deep and complex study. And the, what they saw about the human body in terms of channel pathways was just amazing. So it's more like we go into depth of our own medicine and then we communicate with other health professionals. But I think in the present system, we would be pretty low in the totem pole. We wouldn't be mm -hmm. up there with Western doctors. We'd be there with maybe physical therapists or something like that, mm -hmm. you know, working under the tutelage of a doctor and doing what they tell us to do. Right. I mean, I don't know how much independence, or I realize there's a number of possible roles. But even then, I have nothing against working with Western physicians or other Western practitioners. I do it myself, and as I mentioned before, I'm an advisor to an integrative medicine program at UCSD, but the physicians I work with agree with me. They want to see whole systems mm -hmm. medicine, not just, oh, take a little piece and Westernize it, because right. that doesn't do it justice, right. you know? And I think we've been too quick to try to find neurological systems of acupuncture. I think neuroscience is fantastic, but it's a young science, mm -hmm. and we just try to pin, no pun intended, pin Chinese medicine <laughs> down mm -hmm. to a neuroscientific view of it. it. There's going to be big mistakes, and it's not going to be accurate. It's going to actually limit it. I think Chinese medicine is much vaster than that particular model, mm -hmm. or a pharmacological model of herbs. They're never going to be able to recreate the system of combining the herbs together that has been perfected over literally 2,000 years. You know, So that's the problem. Mm -hmm. If you put the cart before the horse, let Chinese medicine become established as an independent profession here first, then the interactions will make much more sense. Mm -hmm. you know, And then I'm all supportive of it. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's like I always use the child bride metaphor. Mm -hmm. the, the bride is still too young yes. to go to the altar.
That's a great way to put it. You know? yes. And also by over-educating us in Western medicine, under-educating us in Chinese medicine, it defeats the whole purpose. Yes. So I realize it's a value judgment, but it's okay. I make a value judgment. Well, I, I think from myself, my personal experience, mm -hmm. when I went to acupuncture school, mm -hmm. went to a master's program, I needed to be immersed in Chinese medicine. I already had a Western background. Ah. We, we, already, we, all, we already grow up. Mm -hmm. I think even if we don't know medical terms or thinking in that way. We yes, have to be exactly. in a different You have to change you have to think. That's the whole thing. And I've tried to get this across and very few people get this. It's a way of thinking. It's a logical system and you have to constantly be practicing it mm -hmm. to get it. Yes. You know, so otherwise you just fall back into society's regular mode and that's it's easier. The yeah. It's easier but it also doesn't suit the purpose. Yes. You know. So one of the other things that you specialize is in autoimmune diseases as well. Yeah, so-called autoimmune. Yes. Yeah. So how does how does Chinese medicine view autoimmune disease? Okay, everything is you know in Chinese medicine starts with simple theories such as yin yang five phase, and there's a progression from a simple state of disease to a more complex one. If you can catch it in an early stage, the Nanjing talks a lot about this. If you catch it early, okay, stage one, stage two, boom stopped. Even in Western medicine, we know this, like with certain cancers, if you detect them early, eliminate them, sometimes that'll be the end of the disease. If you catch it later on down the road, it becomes more complex. And in the Shang Han Lun, the herbal classic, you have six channel progressions of disease from the most exterior to the most interior. And the most interior is the most difficult to treat, and the formulas get very complex, and the diagnostics are very complex. So you have a lot of people who had been raised in a culture where the body was, I think, less so now, but it was viewed like a machine. Mm -hmm. And you just, bam, bam, you got a Mack truck, drive it up and down the hills, bam, <laughs> bam, over the rock stuff, whoops, I just sprung a leak in my tank. Mm -hmm. Bring your truck in, they fix your gas tank or give you another one. And I think that's how a lot of people view the human body yeah. and to some degree the mind. It's like, okay, all of a sudden here, I'm, <laughs> you know, it's like, I've got stomach ulcers, mm -hmm. right? You've been like, this at your desk for years, answering phone calls, trying to make your sales, selling used cars for years, and all of a sudden, ah, you know? Yeah. It's like, where did that come from? People sometimes don't have any awareness that it's the work they're doing, the lifestyle that's doing it, and by the time they deal with it, it's a full-blown disease. So autoimmune is even further. It's like the body, body-mind intelligence, if we want to call it that, mm -hmm. is scrambled. Right. It's like the body itself goes crazy or insane in response to changing conditions, you know, so. And that could be a very complex topic. One aspect of that topic is the microbiome and the macrobiome, the fact that the natural bacterial population of our bodies, which modern science is now discovering, if it gets disturbed, it can create all types of problems in the system. That's why overuse of Western medications such as antibiotics and steroidal drugs can really mess with that and create all kinds of chronic problems. Also emotional upheavals can do it. We, I've seen several patients with what has been called you know, bipolar syndrome or on a physiological level lupus erythematosus as the result of really traumatic family life. Total rejection by parents, um, really you know, heavy emotional stuff can snap the body as well as the mind, you know. So, but it's, it's a very deep topic and autoimmune diseases require long-term commitment, lifestyle change. The more complex and the more deep-rooted a condition, 
the more you have to live in a way that prevents that disease from taking over, right? right? So, you know, everything has to be changed mm -hmm. in the person. So what advice would you give the average person who lives in a frenetic world um, to start taking care of themselves before a problem starts, starts to develop? The, one of the most important distinguishing factors about Chinese medicine to me is time. It's a medicine that's aware of time. There have been some aspects of Western medicine as well. There's a, there's a small science which hasn't caught on yet called chronobiology. Yeah, it's a, it's, there have been many studies that show that if you give a medication at one time of day, it'll be much more effective than another. Mm -hmm. And that depends on the body's own levels of neurotransmitters, hormones, et cetera, et cetera. Just as there's an ebb and flow in a woman's cycle, that we have daily cycles, we have 24-hour cycles, we have seasonal cycles, we have monthly cycles, we have yearly cycles, and even larger macrocosmic cycles at work, we have millions of circadian rhythm clocks inside the body. And just as acupuncture specifically tries to harmonize channels so that the pulses are balanced and that the channels are flowing together, each at their normal speed, and each channel has a speed to it, then when you harmonize these internal clocks, the body heals itself, mm -hmm. right? So there are many disruptors that we are subject to in the environment, uh, EMFs, uh, GMOs, I mean, all the various letters that science has created for mm -hmm. us, you know, pesticides, noise levels, there are many different stressors, mm -hmm. jet lag, flying, jetting between zones, climates flying from here into the opposite season, into Australia, mm -hmm. you know, all these things are disrupting human beings in ways we haven't seen before. Right. So these are big challenges for us. And I think that's, in, again, I think most people are intuitive. That's why they're intuitively attracted to what we're doing. And that's one reason to digress a little bit. I've never put on a white coat. In fact, when I graduated acupuncture school, I burned mine okay. as a ritual thing. I don't see any authority being given to me by wearing a white coat with a stethoscope around my neck, you know, with little letters on it. Sorry. Uh, it's... People want to feel more relaxed. A lot of people are actually quite traumatized by medical offices. So try to keep the lights mellow and give a homey feeling. You know, I'm a country doctor is what yes. I am, you know. Yes. So. And I felt very welcome when I came in to your Thank you. So. Thank you. We try to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're talking about the, um, one of the causes of autoimmune, all the autoimmune mm -hmm. diseases that are coming up, is this kind of, um, the microorganisms are out of whack in our own, or in mm -hmm. the bodies. And in um, the environment as well. So what, is there anything We're killing that, the soil, for example. Well, yeah, right? that's, that's a big issue. Mm -hmm. um, how, is there anything that the average person can do, that you would advise the average person to do in terms of their diet, um, that can start to, to counteract that? As organic, natural, and local as possible. Okay. That's the first thing. So, now there's, I mean, I've seen so many diet fads come up since. I know. It's like unbelievable. Right. I started studying with a teacher of macrobiotics when I was 16, 17. And that's basically how I've practiced. You know, my knowledge base expanded a lot through Chinese medicine. That's where macrobiotics came from. But, you know, whole grains, vegetables, what uh, today is called a plant-based diet. Mm. And some fish, I do eat some fish, some egg. That's the, the, those are the only animal proteins I tend to eat. And, but again, I know my body and different people have different body types. And, you know, in Ayurveda, you have the different doshas, pitta, kapha, vata, and that's a good system 
for diet. Um, but when you come into diets that no fat at all, or no cooked food right. at all, or no grains at all, that's the newest fad now. Oh, well, I have to say, my belief on that is that people Grain. are going to suffer. Yeah. Is that they, we've gotten, no, we've gotten yeah. away from religion, mm -hmm. and so now people... Purification. Have, they have to find a way to, to you know, hurt Plant. themselves, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to, to be guilty, to be, you know, have sin and have all these things. So what can you do? It's like you make food into that. Mm -hmm. And it also becomes this kind of um, group, like you become part of a group that doesn't right. eat grains or doesn't eat whatever. And right. So it's, it's kind of replacing religion, I think, for a lot of, that's my opinion. Well, macrobiotics, <laughs> some aspects of it were like that as well. There's oh, really? a whole community in Boston, and mm -hmm. people ate ridiculously strict. And mm -hmm. there was this one house, and all the people started breaking out in skin sores that wouldn't heal. Because okay. they weren't getting any vitamin C. They weren't eating any fruit. Oh, wow. Right? And all the women in that house stopped having their periods and their hips and breast size decrease started, you know, losing their female characteristics mm -hmm. is they were not getting any oils or fats. Mm -hmm. they, they were not using any oil in the cooking. Okay. So you see, even there you saw some craziness. But um, I think it is we're so far from our natural sense. Like another reason that Chinese medicine is difficult for many people to understand because it was came it came from a culture, the pre modern culture before um, the Industrial Revolution, everyone lived in nature right. pretty much. Right. And the metaphors about the pulse, horses running to and fro by a stream, right? Everything was about sun and hill and stream and canyon and mountain. And that's what people lived with. And it created a type of natural wisdom, including mm -hmm. food. Yes. You didn't think of, well, what am I artificially going to eliminate to try to pretend I eat like the caveman did, you know, millennia ago, you know? I mean, there are people in New York who run across the Brooklyn Bridge and all around the city barefoot. Oh, really? Yeah. And in the middle of winter. And wow. Wearing short, you know, and they only eat raw meat. Wow. And they sleep for 36 hours at a time. They hibernate. You know, they, kind of and they drink they big things of water, <laughs> trying to eat like what they consider to be our ancestors. Wow. That's like the original paleo. Wow. People. Yeah. That is real. I, that, that's very hardcore. I haven't yeah. Been, yeah. Wow. That's hardcore. We've seen it all. Wow. <laughs> so, and you see how the public is so, it's, a, it's, it's very faddish, I hate to say it. Someone got very upset with me on Facebook because I said that this new book, Grain Brain, is when I saw it in the yes. store. Oh, I know, it's all over the Pearl place. Yeah. Book, I mean, yes. I mean I, he seems like a nice guy and all, but he has MDFs <laughs> after his name, so he can say that grains are evil. I mean, most of humanity has lived on whole grains for thousands of years, and I don't see any evidence of brain damage <laughs> you know maybe there is maybe everyone is brain damaged god forbid but uh, you know it's just so absurd in a way to me and i've read the book i mean the guys you never yes i did read the book and i had to hold myself back from heaving but i did read it you know in the bookstore i didn't buy it <laughs> i went down to barnes and noble and read it you know because i couldn't believe my eyes right because i've eaten whole grains every day for the last 40 years Huh? So, I think I still have my brain. You I hope so. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone senile yet, God. So, uh, yeah, you see this, and in our field, like the word integrative is another example. It's like, it may be a good idea, but where do you understand it? No one's ever defined it. Yeah. It means different things to different people. It has political consequences. It has a socioeconomic aspect, but. 
Where I'm totally opposed to it is in theoretical. Mm -hmm. Keep the Chinese medicine theory and understanding of the human body separate from the Western. Mm -hmm. Where you see overlaps, interesting, good, fine. Yeah, we're all looking at the same human entity. But don't mix up the theories because, what's, as you pointed out earlier, people are going to end up basically with a biomedical understanding all over again with a little Chinese flavor on top. Mm -hmm. They're not going to end up with a different medical system. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't want everything to be Western medicine all over again. That's boring. It happened to the osteopaths. They started with a really independent way of looking at a human being. And there's still some people like who practice craniosacral therapy or upledger students who have a very unique view of the body, which is very valuable. And you get them to work in you, it has a very powerful effect. But then you have other osteopaths who are just basically physicians who prescribe drugs for musculoskeletal disorders, you know? Yeah. Is that the price we're going to have to pay? Can't. Can't yeah. pay that price. Yeah.